0: Texas Tech's coaching staff has been busy on the phones the last couple of days, beginning their recruitment for the 2022-23 season. We're going to be breaking down some of the names that could potentially be Red Raiders coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech,
1: your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure that you subscribe to our channel if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. Today, man, we've got to break down some of the names that Texas Tech's coaching staff has been in contact with because... It's the off season or what truly feels like the second season for me and it's been a busy one already for Mark Adams and co. All of that is coming up on today's episode which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. The guy that is making the rounds in more Texas Tech boards, Twitter sectors, anything if you follow Texas Tech basketball you've probably heard the name Fardaws a over the last couple of days a forward dash center out of Utah Valley stands at 611 um, shattered the division one rebounding average last year when he averaged 15 rebounds per game that hasn't been done since 1980 and then this past season averaged 18.9 points 13.6 blocks or 13.6 rebounds Jesus that would be insane uh 1.3 blocks rather shot 43% from deep on very low volume, 72% from the free throw line on pretty good volume. I mean Emery, this is a number, this is a stat sheet full of numbers that looks really, really good. What have you seen on the tape from AMAC?
1: Well, first off, it's really important to know that AMAC is a very is a very good rebounder. I mean you really don't need to look at the tape to realize that. Like anytime someone averages 13 rebounds per game in a season and it's considered to be maybe a little bit of a down year for him in that sense it's pretty ridiculous and the tape would bear that out I mean obviously he gets a lot of his production on the defensive glass which I do think is a little bit scheme related but certainly offensive rebounding has a lot of tenacity but really I think the bigger focus is what he can do on the offensive side of things and he's a really good post player that's the first thing you're probably not going to find a better post big out there and i don't think he's quite as good as a finisher as a guy like bryson williams per se but it's one of those things where he is really comfortable making his own offense out of there and if you want to talk about bigs that have done that in the past you can think of like an amish keda i think he's of that similar type of mold in terms of just his ability to get to spots on the post i don't think he's a particularly great finisher and i think that's one of the things that maybe limits him a little bit but certainly his post feels good he ta- he's able to take a wide variety of shots from the post He's good at finishing at the rim when it comes to sort of more designed offensive sets. And I feel like he can play in a variety of different roles. Obviously, we saw his pick-and-pop game develop over the course of last year. If you watch the film, almost all of the attempts that he took were from the top of the key. And I have questions about that release. I think it's a little bit sketchy. But certainly, it's not be, it's not out of the question that he can develop a shot to be more efficient on volume. And that's one of the things that I think I would be most intrigued about him as a player, because if he can get that volume shot down, that kind of changes the outlook of him as an offensive player. So, offensively, I think he really provides a lot of post value to you. We mentioned yesterday about what Mark Adams wants to do from an offensive standpoint, and if Adams wants to run a similar style offense that we ran this year, where you saw a lot of Bryson Williams post up and just sort of force feeding the ball inside, I think that and that could is a really good opportunity, is a really good guy to use for that, just because. He's someone that I also think is decent as a playmaker, certainly not quite as developed as you might want him to be. I think that's something you could work on, but he's certainly competent from there. You could play out of the post. So offensively, the value is really with the post up and the potential for a shot. And defensively, I mean, I'm not all that high on him defensively. I feel like he's going to struggle some moving laterally. Certainly is probably the least switchable big that we've seen tech really heavily go after in recent years from a transfer standpoint. But I mean, you never know. He's got good instincts when it comes to shot blocking and is a decent rim protector. So, I mean, certainly there's a lot to work with it, with him. Obviously, the rebounding takes center stage. The post-offense is really good as well. Just all around, he's clearly a really good player and someone I think anyone in the country would want to add.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned the post play. I think what's really key about him there is that he has a really nice ability to make like turnaround jumpers, which I think is really important to note because um, we were talking yesterday kind of about Texas Tech scheme and what style of offense do they want to play. When you've only got a guy that can play back to the basket, like, say, uh, David McCormick, um, it limits you offensively more than if you have a guy like uh, amac who can make these turnaround jumpers but by all indications he is priority number one for texas tech right now they have offered and he is already cutting down his recruitment to arkansas kentucky iowa washington and the red raiders so certainly a guy that will need to be monitored over the coming days and weeks as texas tech tries to seal the deal with him. Another guy that the Red Raiders have been in contact with, it's a guy that um, I'm sure a lot of Texas Tech fans might be slightly familiar with, and that is the young Isaiah Cottrell. He was one of what felt like the first guys um, of of the season to hit the portal once West Virginia's season ended. But a uh, 6'10 forward, former top 100 recruit, played just 16 minutes per game this year, um, averaged 4.2 points, 2.8 boards, um, did not shoot well from the field at all. Um, his past two seasons um, averaging about 34% from the field over his career with just 1.2 shots coming from deep. So I think those efficiency numbers might be a little concerning for anybody just viewing the box score. He did not have good games against Texas Tech, the two that he has played. Um, just one of six from the field in those two contests. But Emery, uh, give me your thoughts on Cottrell.
1: I think Cottrell's got a really intriguing talent. And Obviously, if you take the exact version that played at West Virginia and looked at what Isaiah Tr- Cottrell was able to do. I felt like his offensive game was struggling, obviously. That's the nicest way to put it. Wasn't a good finisher despite having a lot of assistive looks. His shooting wasn't quite there, but I think it's something that he could potentially work on and get himself to be a really lethal stretch forward. And we saw it at times last year. He was able to knock down those threes didn't really hit him well against tech, but I think offensively he provides potential and I think defensively he's a really versatile player. He fits right in with what tech wants to do very switchable big. I think you could run him as a four potential, potential small ball five and I see value, especially on the defensive end. Certainly someone that has that experience playing at a big 12 level. You're not, he's not someone you're going to be worried about in terms of taking a step up. So I think it's nice to have him there and, Certainly, I mean, I think the biggest thing you can provide to you is front-court depth and switchability. And both of those things we've seen in the last couple of years have been really important for tech.
0: Yeah, really good athlete, and I think that's something that could really come into into play for Texas Tech on the defensive end and something that I think definitely sparked their interest once he initially hit the for, hit the portal. Um, he was one of kind of the early guys that Texas Tech reached out to, and it's been a little bit quiet since, but am um, keeping tabs on his recruitment. Another guy that it felt like hit the portal kind of early and Texas Tech wasted no time, picking up the phone and calling is Noah Carter. He's kind of a a big wing almost. He's 6'6", 230, um, played basketball at UNI for the past three seasons last year, averaged 15 points per game, 4.1 boards, 1.8 assists, Um, shot about 48% from the field, below 30% from deep on pretty high volume, which is actually kind of surprising to me, and then about 80% from the free throw line. I've got to say, in Mark Adams and company, I trust, but... With what I've seen from Carter on the defensive end and his offensive limitations from the perimeter, I'm kind of skeptical about the recruitment of Carter.
1: I actually think Noah Carter would be a really intriguing add because I feel like his development as a ball handler this past season was really intriguing. And obviously, you had you had AJ Green there, who's been kind of the primary ball handler for Northern Iowa for what seems like forever. I mean, you saw Carter really take a lead as an offensive initiator. And certainly the shooting is not what you want it to be for someone that's been specializing as a shooter over the last couple of years. I mean, someone that's 28%, but I also think the shot looks good, right? It does it has pretty good form. It just isn't going in very often. So I would trust those mechanics. And obviously, like I'm think I think I'm higher on him as a slasher as than I think most people are. And certainly like he's not gonna be a ball, primary ball handler. I think it's a value that sort of fits in line with what we've seen Tech go after in terms of looking at wings around that mold. I think where he sort of stands out, like you mentioned, the defensive end is questionable. I would say that he's probably one of the worst defenders we've seen Tech go after in the portal. But, I mean, if they think that they can work with that, then that's it's worth looking at. I mean, it's not like Tech hasn't recruited non-really bad defensive players. I mean, look at what they did with Mac McClung and bringing him in. And I would say as bad as... As bad as um, Carter's looked on the defensive end, I don't think it's been quite as bad as what Mac McClung was at Georgetown. So, I mean, I understand looking at him. I certainly wouldn't have him as my top priority, but I do think there's talent there, and there's a
0: potential for him to be able to really fit in. Got two really, really good mid-major guards that we want to highlight, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. Our next partner has a product that I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. AG1 contains less than 1 gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I love March Madness and Bracket Contest, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep and won any money. I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single pickums pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best or the gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be Stat Hero. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Just a reminder that we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Talking some potential Texas Tech transfer portal targets. And one name hit the portal the other day. Um, Emery, he's both from your neck of the woods and also Texas Tech's neck of the woods. And that is Tristan Newton um, out of Burgess High School in El Paso, Texas. Um, was all AAC player last season and is just a phenomenal guard, man. The numbers that he puts up are really, really intriguing. Averaged 17.7 points per game last year, five assists, one and a half steals, about five boards, um shot nearly fifty percent from the field, thirty-three percent from deep, and almost eighty-eight percent from the free throw line. This is a guy that has a lot of potential. And you know, I've been talking the last couple of days, probably at a at nauseum about Texas Tech getting a Davion Warren type player. And this feels like a guy that you can be comfortable with both getting his own shot and creating for others. I mean, he's got 3.5 turnovers per game last season, but I definitely think that's something that could improve whenever you put him next to some more talented guys. But man, Newton has got to be at the top of my wish list right now.
1: Oh yeah. I think if you're looking in terms of pure talent in the portal, Newton might be the best player available. And, He's a 6'5 six, six, guard. He's had to be the lead initiator for, Eastern, for East Carolina literally every single year that he's been there. And East Carolina heading into last year really did not have a ton of success. And they've there doesn't look flashy per se, but they've improved each year that Newton's been there. And I think that you've seen him really be an efficient ball handler. And, yeah, the 3.5 turnovers look pretty bad, but considering the amount of usage that he has to take on and the fact that at the beginning, I don't think he was necessarily ready for that primary ball handler role. I mean, his improvement from year to year has been really cool to see. And certainly, the offensive end, he's developed a, into a really nice scorer as well. And obviously, on the inside, I don't think that he's someone that's going to be the most explosive guy out there. He's not going to stand out from a pure athleticism standpoint. But certainly, I mean, he's... Rangey, he's got the ability to be an impactful defensive player as well and offensively then i mean his playmaking is there i think he's one of the best playmakers you're going to find on the market and beyond that i mean the scoring i'm really kind of trusting the shot to continue to develop i think that's the biggest key for him is if the shot continues to look better and better if he can get himself to a 36 37 shooter and really do so which i think is possible considering if he transfers attack he'd likely have a little bit less volume than what he had at ECU. I think it's a good fit. And I think that his playmaking is enough value on its own to warrant taking a look at him and offering him. But you add in the versatility that he provides. You add in the fact that he's shown himself to be a really good lead scorer at the Division I level. And at a school like ECU, like it's a, still a pretty good conference in the AAC to play. against. so like the talent level he's going to be going against isn't going to be that much better. Like I think that it's a really good opportunity and i mean i'm excited because i mean getting a guy like newton would be really big and it's not just about him as a player it's the fact that like i mentioned he came into ecu when they were at a real low point as a program and he's continued to kind of ride the ship and we've seen ecu imp- improve over the last couple of years and i think that that's uh, can't be overstated because if you're looking at guys like a davion warren that sort of went through a similar thing at hampton like I think that this is a really good comparison between the two, and I really like what Newton can do from a role standpoint as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's got to be one of your your top guys right now. Just looking at his tape and what the kind of production that he's had over his college career, um, definitely a guy that you think Texas Tech will be recruiting heavily. And as you mentioned, it's a transfer up. I don't think there's any debate about that. But it's not one where you. Um, lack confidence based on the increase in skill level. Like you're still playing Division One quality um, basketball opponents right now. And so I think there's a lot of confidence in how his game will translate to the Big 12. Um, another guy that Texas Tech has been in contact with, I actually just figured that out before we started recording, is Antonio Reeves out of Illinois State, was the most important player in the NBC last season, averaged over 20 points per game, um, 3.5 boards, 1.8 assists, 1.1 steals, um, 47% from the field, 39% from deep on 6 shots per game, which is pretty ridiculous and then 82% from the free throw line which makes that shooting percentage seem even less like a fluke although it was pretty low his freshman and sophomore year um, Reeves compared to Newton is much more of the mold of a score first guard and man I, I think that he does that and he does that very very well I have
1: a player comp from about three years ago an NBA draft I want to see if you can think of who I'm thinking of. Drafted by the Celtics in 2020, I think. It can't
0: be a. Is it Aaron Nismith?
1: Ne- yeah, I see a lot as Nismith in his offensive game, and that he can really be an effective on-ball shooter and kind of creating his own shot. Certainly, I mean, he is not afraid to jack them up, and I think that's one of the things. The first couple of years, that shot really wasn't falling down, but certain, but. He's going to be someone that's going to be able to find those shots from the perimeter. But he's also got a pretty decent pretty decent driving game as well. And just in general, his offensive game is very efficient. He's not really a guy that you're going to be wowed at from, again, from an athleticism standpoint. He's not going to have like a 50-60 dunk season. He's not going to be an overly, explosive, uh, an overly explosive athlete, but he's good at finding his spots not really much of a playmaker i think that the assist to turnover is pretty concerning and he can have a little bit of tunnel vision at times and that could be something that might be an issue but if you're looking at scoring talent in the portal he's about as good as they get and again if we're talking about step up and i in competition illinois state is a good good team that has been good in the missouri valley And the missouri valley again it's not a top tier conference by any means but the Level of competition there is still decent enough that it's not going to be an overwhelming jump up. And so, I mean, I buy the shot with Reeves. I think it's a really good opportunity to get someone that's a elite-level shot maker. And I trust that the shot's going to sustain itself going forward. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing is I trust the shot. I trust that he's still going to find a way to be a positive offensive player even on lower volume.
0: And I think the thing with Neesmith, too, is that I'm looking at a guy like Reeves, and I even think he's he can do a little bit more um, with the ball in his hands than a guy like Neesmith could, which bodes really, really well for his scoring ability. So um can definitely see Texas Tech getting involved and interested even more there. Um, We've been talking about guys that have been playing at kind of these lower levels but putting up some pretty crazy numbers. A guy that's been playing in a power conference but not very much is Chance Moore, former top 100 recruit. Um, Played basketball at Arkansas this year but it'd be hard to tell he appeared in just five games on the bench for Eric Musselman. Um, two words for Texas Tech here. Corey Williams was his primary recruiter at Arkansas. And so um, if Texas Tech wants to get back involved there, um, you've got to think that will correlate. But he's a six-five guard. Um, he's really a wing. Um, rebounds really well, at least he did in high school. Really physical, I'm not sure specifically about his shot. Yet he knocked down one. At Arkansas, so not exactly a, a good sample size there, but yeah, I think Texas Tech will at least contact him if uh, if Corey Williams is still on the bench.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a 50% three point shooter. I mean, who cares about the volume? I'm taking that, but no, I think if you look at more, I think he's a really talented player. Again, fits with what you're looking for from a wing standpoint, tough nose, certainly athletic. It's six 6'5", but I think the wingspan, he's at least got a plus wingspan. I don't know exactly what it would be, but you watch it on tape, and that sort of sticks out. So I think that he's going to be someone that you could really utilize. And, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what Tech will – if Tech will go after him exact, or how intense they'll be, and certainly he'll have this range of attractors in the southeast, but certainly having Corey Williams is a nice – Nice added bonus on that, so we'll see. I mean, certainly Arkansas had reason to recruit him. He's a top one to recruit coming out of high school. Didn't get to play much, as you mentioned, but has a lot of talent, and so I think he fit in with what Tech looks for in their wings.
0: Yeah, definitely a, a guy to watch, I think. Um, Texas Tech has been in contact with another big-ticket name from the East Coast. We're going to talk about him and a couple of other guys, but first a quick word from Bill Barr. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. Go to built.com and scroll down the macros chart, you'll be blown away. They're high in protein, low in calorie, high fiber, low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. All right, Emery, before we uh, started recording this afternoon, was on the phone talking to some of my sources where I was told that uh, Texas Tech has been in contact with Sean McNeil, a guy that... Um, Probably Texas Tech fans are a lot more familiar with than Isaiah Cottrell, but also a former West Virginia player, a guy that played Juco basketball before heading to West Virginia. And um, when he was kind of in that process of transferring to the Division I level, um, there was a certain guy that was really, really interested in recruiting him and getting him to play basketball, and that was Mark Adams. And so now McNeil is back available. He has scored 15 points against Texas Tech. Um, I think you're looking at a guy that has proven that he can shoot the ball at a high clip and can score. And it's just really hard to look at a guy like McNeil and think that you would be willing to turn him down. But Texas Tech has has been in contact with McNeil and it seems like Mark Adams is interested in making yet another push anyone that wants to have a little bit of fun on the day that
1: they're happen to be watching this episode or listening to it wherever you get your podcasts go take a look at sean mcneil's juco highlights it is going to be one of the best watches you're ever going to find because he is he was a ridiculous score back then and mark adams obviously wanted a piece of that unfortunately didn't work out mean, he ended up going to west virginia but i mean you're talking about a guy that is one of the best shooters you're that's going to be out on the market the percentages don't really bear it out obviously it's 37 percent this year but it's worth noting that the degree of difficulty because of how bad west virginia was at spacing the floor meant that mcneil did not get as many open looks as i think he a player of his caliber would be getting at a school like tech and a team that has a lot of spacing or a lot of ball handling ability around him and outside of taz sherman and mcneil there really wasn't much at west virginia so I think McNeil's natural shot making ability is really impressive. And certainly we've seen that against tech obviously you had the game when Sherman was out last year on Lovick, where he went off and was really the key in their victory over them in 2021. But I mean, McNeil's a talented offensive player. I don't think that's ever going to be the question as a the limitations as a ball handler. I certainly don't think he's going to be someone that could be a PVH for you, but certain, but has the value of a shooter that you're probably not going to find anywhere else. But thing that concerns me about McNeil is the defensive end. And we saw it kind of rear ugly. had a little bit in West Virginia games this year where teams would exploit that one-on-one matchup and they would get him into switches. They would put him in a tough spot, And I don't think it's as big of a limitation as some people make it out to be. I don't think he's unplayable on the defensive end by any means. I think he's a passable positional defender, but I do wonder if you're looking at the rest of the competition composition of this roster, is it going to be another scenario where His defense keeps him from playing as many minutes as you would expect a guy that's that good of a shooter to be playing. And if that's the case, are you better off optimizing your outlook on the market to get guys that can be more versatile, that maybe aren't quite the natural shooter that a McNeil is, but certainly provide the defensive value as well and aren't going to be limited to some degree in the minutes that they get because of it.
0: Yeah, I just have a hard time believing that Texas Tech is not going to pretty heavily recruit shooting after the season. Like, I think that they got burned a little bit. And, oh, and yeah. know yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a there's a difference between saying I'm a little bit concerned about right, right. how the fit's going to be than saying, yeah, they're not going to go after a dude that was one of the best Juco shooters we've ever seen. And at West Virginia, despite having poor, sh- poor spacing, still put up really good shooting numbers across the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, definitely a guy that I think um, Texas Tech is very much interested in because of his offense, Um, and so we'll see what happens there. Another guy that was uh, entering the portal and a pretty high-caliber player is Andre Curbelo, a point guard out of Illinois, former top-50 recruit, kind of had a rough freshman year at Illinois despite being, um, I think he was on the all-freshman team, and averaged about nine points per game. 4.2 4.2 in assist, but um, was kind of that true point guard, true freshman point guard that's just really hard to do on high volume in Division One basketball, and he had 2.6 turnovers, um, could not hit the backboard with a beach ball from behind the arc, and I think a lot of Illini fans were really just hoping for a dramatic turnaround this season, um, and he ends up being pretty unhealthy for the majority of this season, averages one less assist and and more turnovers per game, as well as nearly two fewer points per game. So I think Curbelo is going to be a really polarizing guy to monitor the recruitment of um, over the course of this offseason. I don't really know where Texas Tech is at in their recruitment of him. I don't know if they've spoken. I'm assuming so, because I'm guessing that pretty much everybody is going to make a phone call um, just for the sake of his upside. But a very polarizing player where really the only way you justify recruiting him is if you feel like you are in need of a primary ball handler. I think if you're looking in terms
1: of raw talent as a primary ball handler, Corbello might be one of the most talented ball handlers in the country next year, regardless of where he goes. If you, His freshman year might have been rough, but the stretch of games at the end of the Big Ten season where Illinois was able to wrap up conference title and end up getting the one seed in the NCAA tournament was some of the best basketball that I think you could have ever seen from a freshman point guard in the big 10. And he showed a whole lot of poise there. And I mean, you look at some of the stretch of the games, he had three straight games against Wisconsin, Michigan and and Ohio state down the stretch of that year where he had over 15 points in each of them was efficient from the field was a high level primary ball handler. Like this is a guy that when he's on is absolutely dazzling his obviously people are going to look at the highlights and be amazed kind of ignores the low lights as well that with that with those amazing plays he also makes a lot of boneheaded headed decisions but if you can channel that i mean you're not going to find someone as creative as a pa- of a pastor and i firmly believe that that's something that can really raise the floor of a team or and can certainly really raise the potential as well but at the same time. I mean, it all comes down to what you want from a guy. Like, I would say Grabello's lack of shooting, I mean, I don't think it's quite as bad as sub-20% two straight years. I think that he's going to naturally improve on that as he gets more healthy and as he kind of adjusts to the level of competition in college basketball. Because that's the other thing. He's been hurt one year and it was his freshman year or the other. So it's not like he's really had a massive sample. But certainly the relative lack of shooting and the fact that offensively he can be a little bit of a loose cannon at times and defensively he can be – sort of a liability as well, like you add those things together and it makes sense why you might be a little bit hesitant to really go after him. But at the same time, I mean, you're not going to find guys with the passing ability of Cabello very often. And so if that's something that Mark Adams really wants and values that skill set, I could see him happening. But if he doesn't want that elite level passing and kind of just the pure creativity and the potential to be an outstanding transition player, I could really understand why you wouldn't want to go after him.
0: Yeah, one last guy to talk about before we get out of here today. Um, A name that's been intriguing for me to monitor over the last couple of days after he entered the portal. Kind of difficult to track down and and figure out really who he is because he goes by a couple of different names. Um, Entered the NBA draft last season, got some good feedback, and then came back to school. And I think he had um, maybe a different year than a lot of people were expecting, but still nonetheless has a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, um, a lot of defense, and a guy that Texas Tech fans are very familiar with. Emory, any guesses as to who I'm talking about here? Oh, man. Texas Tech fans are very familiar with him.
1: Very familiar. Like, from a opposition standpoint?
0: Like, he's played 90 games for the Red Raiders over his career. <laughs>
1: Oh. <laughs> 60 oh my games, God. whatever it is. 60 Are you talking about a certain TJ Shannon?
0: I am talking about a certain TJ Shannon. Um Yeah, I I don't know how much is fair or well sourced to say uh, uh live and unedited, but um a guy that hit the portal at I think a time that was unexpected and has um publicly said that a return to texas tech is possible and while that seemed very unlikely a week ago um let's just say it's it's changed and i think that um it's more likely now than it was a couple of days ago that that's all i feel comfortable saying at this point but uh yeah, how what, what do you think about the possibility of TJ Shannon being in the the Scarlet and Black for another year?
1: I'll say that for a player that announced that he was intending to transfer before he got on the plane to go back to Lubbock, you would certainly say that there's been a lot of PR effort on both sides to uh support Texas Tech and support TJ Shannon going both ways i don't think that would happen if that bridge was completely burned and there was no interest on either side of coming back and certainly i mean fans have been up in arms off out over what happened And i don't think it's fair to publicly take one stance on it or another but i do think that it's clear that the last few days we've seen sort of a shift in direction what was once seen is like almost a foregone conclusion and the only reason he would be making these tweets was to be like soothing over the fan base I think there's genuine, genuinely a possibility he comes back. I think that we've seen that. And, I mean, I'm all for it. I think Terrence Shannon is one of the most popular – wow, one of the most popular – one of the most talented players you're going to find on the market that bears out based off of who's been offering him. It's clear as day to any Texas Tech fan that's watched 90 games worth of his tape. So for him to be – out there and open to coming back. I think you have to pull the trigger if at all possible and just try to see if that happens. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's all based off of what the staff wants what TJ wants and kind of a combination of both. So we'll see. Certainly seems more likely now, but it's, it's all up in the air, man. I would never have expected to have this discussion five days ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of the strangest situations I've ever covered as a journalist, like just being honest, it's been very, very difficult and intriguing to report on. And I'm learning a lot of lessons about um, just my job and the difficulty that it can entail at times. But um, Kentucky is very, very interested. Um, You got to think Illinois is uh, also up there. And then you've got Texas Tech. So, yeah, three pretty high caliber schools in the mix here. Um, And I just know that regardless of what happens over these next couple of days, we're going to be recording a podcast talking about the results of this. And I'm going to be very surprised either way.
1: Uh, At this point, I'm not going to be surprised with anything. But I think that in itself might lead to some surprise because it wouldn't surprise me. If he just pulled a 180 and declared for the NBA draft and just left it at that. Like, I don't think there's any, there's no move that looks like the consensus here. Like, you could say, yeah, he could go to Illinois, but that'd be a complete just flip from everything he's done the last few years. And this is, Illinois is a program that has had kind of mixed, a mixed bag when it comes to high level talent, high level recruits. And you have to think that might play into it. Obviously, you go to kentucky there's the talent draw there there's the fact that kentucky looks like they're building a stacked roster for next year but it's unknown you don't know what tj wants you know could be he wants to be the main guy at which point going to kentucky really doesn't make a lot of sense could come back to texas tech after a week after supposedly the bur- the bridge was burned and things were looking all down according to pretty much everyone and there was like five percent chance of him returning and Somehow, that might be the most likely option at this point, so there's a million different things that can happen. I'm not gonna be surprised, regardless. I think it's at this point this is one like you mentioned, it's one of the most bizarre situations I've ever seen, and we'll see we'll see what other twists are still
0: yet to come in the college career t j Shannon yeah, so we got a uh, one guy that won't be surprised, no matter what, and one guy that will be surprised no matter what so It's destined to be a really exciting off season and a really exciting next couple of weeks as we try and keep a pulse on the TJ Shannon situation. But thank you for tuning in to our transfer portal targets episode. Um, Just be sure that you subscribe to our feeds and uh, show us some love wherever you get podcasts, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have not already, um, and then you can keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at rmanvilleLBK. You can follow me at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked on TTU to get notified every time we upload a new episode. But until then... Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.